Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all. This is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. The mission of Parkinson's Recovery is to provide information, resources, and support to persons and their family members who are currently experiencing the symptoms associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. On the radio show, we interview many different types of individuals who have some marvelous suggestions for what people can do to get sustained relief from whatever symptoms they might currently be experiencing. So the range of guests is very wide. I am really so excited today to introduce to you an individual who I think is making a profound contribution to so many individuals who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. Now, she is a Feldenkrais practitioner, and I know some of you are familiar with that. Probably quite a few of you are not. So what we'd like to be able to do today is to introduce Irene Pasternak and have her talk just a little bit about herself and her background, have an opportunity to explain to you what this therapy really is all about, and then to be sure and continue listening because she's going to also provide about a 10-minute or so actual instructional exercise that will give you a little bit of idea of how small movements can make such a huge and profound difference to being able to experience a welcome relief from whatever symptoms you may currently be experiencing. So, Irene, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today. Thank you for inviting me, Roger. So, tell everyone just a little bit about yourself. Alrighty. Uh, my name is Irene, and I have been a Feldenkrais practitioner now for 10 years, and I work with people who have Parkinson's disease. I work with people with other movement challenges. I work with athletes and musicians uh, to help people learn how to move their body more efficiently, more comfortably, and most importantly, how to use your body in a way that you keep learning and keep improving. Um, I have two grown kids. I had a mom who had Parkinson's, and that's where I got interested in Parkinson's. We ran a support group together. And I delight in helping people figure out how to be able to do more of what they love to do, whether it's getting out of pain in order to do that or moving easily and more efficiently so whatever you do, you can do longer and with more skill. Um, well, that sounds wonderful to me, Irene. What an amazing background. Well, so a lot of people are familiar with something like massage, where you go and you lie down on a massage table. Can you explain to people a little bit about what happens when a person has a Feldenkrais therapy session? So first, um, the word Feldenkrais is the name of a man, Moshe Feldenkrais, and people find it a little challenging to pronounce. So everybody say to yourself the word paradise and then say Feldenkrais. And that's the rhythm of the, of, of the word. And that's, you're, you're just saying somebody's name who came up with this wonderful method of improving movement. So Feldenkrais is offered either in group classes or one-on-one. And in group classes, which is what we're going to do today, uh, you are guided through some movements that 
almost trick your brain and your body into finding new movement patterns that are more efficient. We do a lot of practice being able to sense when something is easier or harder so that you can then make a choice to do it the easy way instead of the hard way. I say it's different than exercise in that in exercise you're working hard to strengthen muscles. Here you're working gently and with curiosity to strengthen your brain's the how your brain controls your muscles and your body. So we practice doing things the easiest, most efficient way possible and trying to uncover what that is in our body. And I find so you'll get an experience in a few minutes of the the class and then in private sessions people come in we work on a usually a low table you lie down and with a combination of my touch uh, helping you figure out how to move easier we do that same exploration of how can i make this movement in the easiest way possible there are a few themes that run through every Feldenkrais class or private session. One of them is that our body is a team, and we don't have to use pieces of it in isolation. And the other is that we move based on our internal image of ourself, and that the more accurate our picture of ourself is in our brain, the easier it's going to be to move. So I'd like to actually jump right in to a little movement exploration because I think that's the easiest way to understand something that's really quite different than, than anything you may have done. So in order to do this movement exploration, it's best if you are sitting on a relatively firm chair, like a dining room chair or a folding chair. It's hard to do this one if you're on a couch or if you're standing up and walking. So come and sit down and on whatever surface that you're on, sit right toward the front of your chair so that you can really feel your sit bones on the chair. You could take one hand and stick it under your bottom and find that sit bone. It's really, no matter how much padding you have, you can still usually find that bone. It's, it's a pretty big bone. And just move around over your hand on the sit bone. See if you can move your body so that you go behind your sit bone and in front of your sit bone or to one side or the other and just feel the little weight shifts right there on your hand and in the chair. And then take that hand out. And notice if just after doing that, the two sides of your bottom feel a little different on the chair if one side feels a little flatter, a little softer, a little more comfortable. And then reach your hand in underneath the other side and find that sit bone. And wiggle around a little. See if you can go in front of it, behind it, to the side, to the other side. And feel the shape of the sit bone. Does it feel rounded or square or just to, to go, oh, what is that shape? And then take your hand out. Okay. And now as you're sitting there, turn and look over one shoulder. And notice how far you can see when you turn and look over that shoulder. 
might identify something on the wall to look at. And then turn and look over the other shoulder and see what you can see on that side. And which side feels more comfortable? Which side can you see further on? And in this little movement exploration, we're going to work with your easy side, so the side that you can see more easily, too. And cross your, um, sorry, take your hands and put them on your jawline. So the heels of your hand, the base of your palm is touching, and your fingers are along your jaws, which is going to mean your elbows can come kind of close together in front of you. And turn both those elbows toward the easy side a few times. And as you turn your elbows toward the easy side, notice if your sit bones do something on your chair. Is there some kind of change in the pressure? Does one slide a little forward and one slide a little backward? And go ahead. So do this little movement many times, slowly. Don't push yourself hard. Just gently turn. And see if you can feel how if you take the sit bone on the side you're turning toward and push it backward in your chair behind you, and you let the other knee and sit bone slide a little forward, how it lets you turn a little further. Okay, good. And come back to the front. And take your arms down. Let them rest wherever they want to rest. And now turn and look over your shoulder and see if it got a little bit easier and if you're seeing a little bit further. And notice as you turn now and look over this shoulder, if one of your shoulders comes forward and one shoulder goes backward. Go ahead and once while you're thinking about it, take that shoulder forward, one shoulder forward, and see how far you get. Then come back to the front. And the next time you go, take the other shoulder backward. And which gets you further, when the shoulder's coming forward or the shoulder's going backward? Come back to the front. And then turn your shoulders again. So you, you your sit bones slide, you turn your shoulders, you turn your head, and stay turned this time. And while you're there, shrug your shoulders. Shrug one shoulder up and one shoulder down a little bit while you're turned. And then waggle them a little, one forward, one backward. And come back to the front. Turn again. See if you're going a little further this time. Stay turned. And take just your eyeballs left and right. And you might find your tongue goes with your eyeballs. Let it. And come back to the front and look at something in front of you and turn your shoulders and your your sit bones can do that little moving in the chair thing as you leave part of you turned but your head and your eyes still look straight ahead and do that a few times and then turn and look over your shoulder 
and see if you're seeing even further around yourself. So, and then come back to the front. This little experience is typical of a Feldenkrais lesson where we start with some kind of measurement and we do a few variations of exploration and then suddenly you feel more mobile than you did before. Your range of motion increases and the movement gets more comfortable in the body. And I want to talk for a moment about how that happens. And the basic idea that I mentioned before, that we move based on our image of ourselves. For most of you, your image of yourself looks like it was your head is a lollipop and you have a short stick that holds up that lollipop. And I just gave you an experience of being a lollipop at the head of the stick, but that your stick goes all the way down to your sit bones. And so if you turn your sit bones a little bit, you turn your hips a little, then you've got 24 vertebrae and try turning each one of those vertebrae just a little bit. And then your eyes can turn even a little further. And see if thinking about it that way gets you turning even further. So you move the base of the stick by sliding one sit bone forward, one backward, and then you turn this long stick, each little piece of it a little bit at a time, and then more options are possible. And improving movement can be that easy that just by changing your self-image so that you have a in this case, a long stick, go ahead and try turning to the other side with this idea of a long stick. So you slide one sit bone forward, one backward. You turn each one of your vertebrae just a little bit. One shoulder goes back, one shoulder goes forward. And see if on that second side you already have dramatically increased your range of motion. So my role in, in classes and in private sessions is to help you discover and clarify your image of how movement can work so that it works more efficiently for you. There are a few challenges that are common to most people who have Parkinson's disease. One is that um, your torso and your, the, the movement of your spine through your chest, you usually don't use as efficiently as you can. And a lot of times, it's the same movement pattern that you had decades ago before you had Parkinson's, but that movement pattern just gets more pronounced with, with the Parkinson's. But it is learnable. Just like you just learned how to see around yourself, you can learn the skills required for better balance, the skill required to keep your shoulders and your arms comfortable, the skills required to stay out of pain. It's a, it's a very different way of, of looking at the body that puts you more in the driver's seat of understanding how you can control how you move in order to be more comfortable. So to me, that's the most exciting thing about it because as Parkinson's nibbles away at what you can do, this is a way to to fight back with that goes in in a totally different way into your brain and body to improve your movement. And it lets you hold your own for longer, and some people find it even lets them move better and more freely than they did back in the pre-Parkinson's days. 
So, Roger, that's that's an example of the, the movement lesson and some of the mechanisms that are involved in the learning process. I want to also tell everybody about a free class that's being offered by the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation. Uh, I'm teaching twice a week, teaching movement lessons on Zoom. And if you would like to join the class, if you go to the homepage nwpf.org, northwestparkinsonsfoundation.org, there is a link to sign up and register for these classes. And feel free to drop in for one, or we've got uh, three more weeks left of classes. So I hope to see you in a class because the, the classes are 45 minutes long, and you'll get to see and feel yourself change. And we've been getting about 50 people in each of the classes. It's really fun to see the differences in how comfortably everybody is moving at the end of class from the beginning. So, so Roger, Irene, uh, when you right. mentioned it, it's a Zoom session, you have people who are connecting into this class from many different countries. So it's not a session where people have to actually go physically. Correct. Yeah, people from all over the world are joining, and it's the class is at 10.30 in the morning Pacific Standard Time, so you just have to adjust the time zone for where you are. And um, I can see you, you can see me, and you can see the other people in the class. So it's it's also a very nice way to get some community during this time when we're all stuck at home. Some people will want to know, okay, great, this sounds pretty wonderful. So if I get a couple of sessions, will I be good to go? Or does it take a little bit more than that? I think of Feldenkrais as like learning a musical instrument. Your first day you'll be able to pick out happy birthday, but if you want to play Bach, it takes a few more sessions and practice time. But people, you'll learn something even in one class that you can take away from it. I've had people who have done the little 10-minute demo that you've just done and nothing else, and then I run into them three years later, and they say, wow, that changed my driving. I feel safe driving after doing that. So um, it really depends on who you are and what your goals are. If you want continuous improvement, come until you learn the basic ideas underneath it, and then you can apply them to yourself. Um, if you just want a quick fix for gee, my shoulder's bothering me, you you might get that in one session. There are so also can... there, there are also Feldenkrais practitioners throughout the world. If you go to the Feldenkrais.com website in the United States or the International Feldenkrais Federation website for other countries, you can uh, type in where you live and find somebody who lives near you. Once, once we can travel again and, and go to appointments. So when somebody is able to get a lesson from you, they can also, as it sounds like, take some of these steps and begin to practice them at home. Yes. For example, this morning when I was teaching, one of the women at the end of the class said that um, when we were working on turning and standing, and she said, I noticed that on my easy side, 
my knee bends when I turn to look around myself and that it wasn't bending on my hard side and the hard side is the side I have pain on. As soon as I bent my knee as I was turning, I stopped having pain when I was turning. And so the principle she learned was that we do things differently on our easy side and our hard side. And once you can notice that difference, then you can go, oh, well, maybe if I try that, it'll work. So you learn how to experiment with yourself and you get more curious about yourself. And it's that curiosity and experimentation that is generalizable to any activity that you do, and you can do that on your own. Of course, it's, it's really a paradigm many... shift. It, it's a paradigm shift in that most of us think, oh, darn, you know, I have pain. It happened to me. And this helps you learn that it's what you do that causes pain or lack of mobility, and just that thought makes you think differently. Oh, I wonder what I'm doing that's causing this, and even more importantly, I wonder what I could do that would make this feel better. That's the shift. Many people with Parkinson's really are avid exercisers, and mm -hmm. they go out, and of course, it's a bit strenuous. It can be a little bit painful. Some have the idea, no pain, no gain. It sounds like what you do is a bit different from that approach. It, it is, and it's very complementary. I find that people who love to exercise will learn things in the Feldenkrais class that makes them much more efficient. So if you're doing boxing, you'll learn how to shift your weight more easily from foot to foot so you can sidestep more easily. Um, if, you, if you're swimming, you'll learn more about how the rotation works in your body so you can swim more efficiently. So think of it as... Exercise is about building strength, and Feldenkrais is about building the coordination so that the, the, you use the strength as efficiently as you can in the exercise. It really just makes everything else easier. It's also really good for, you know, when I sit on the toilet, it's hard to stand up again, or rolling over in bed is really a bear. Um, can, uh, learning how to do those day-to-day -day things that we do all day every day more efficiently so that you don't waste your energy getting out of bed and you get out of bed with enough energy to go exercise or to, to have some fun. Yeah. Some listeners to this interview may have difficulty with, for example, mo mobility, with shuffling, let's say. Is it possible that this particular approach might facilitate the ability to walk in a more effortless fashion? Again, I'm going to use an example from this morning's class after we did a standing turning lesson. One of the men said that his gait had improved significantly, that it felt like he was lifting and setting his feet down naturally instead of feeling like it had to be a conscious effort. Uh, it definitely can help with shuffling and um, freezing and gait challenges. Gait challenges often come from trying to walk from just the hip joint down to the ground. And the more we get our whole body involved in the walking, the gait, many gait problems just naturally get better from that process. But I've had people who come to me who are falling a couple times every day 
and then through after a few lessons um, are you know going down to maybe falling once a month instead of daily but that the comfort and naturalness of your gait is relearnable for most people Irene Pasternak now how can people get directly in touch with you to be able to obtain some private lessons from you so I am offering private lessons online during this uh, COVID-19 time, and then I'm locally in the Bellevue, Washington area, but I can work with anyone anywhere in the world um, online. Um, my website is called movebeyondlimits.com, and my phone number is 425-641-4779. Um, and my email is irene at movebeyondlimits.com. So any of those are ways to, to contact me. Irene, on your website, could you please, for everyone, spell very slowly the address of the website? Yes. It's, it's three words, move beyond limits, M-O-V-E, B E Y O N D L I M I T S. This, I think, Irene Pasternak is a wonderful option for people to take very seriously. It's gentle, small movements, no pain involved, and we're really able to make such huge dramatic improvements, particularly when it comes to mobility and even tremors. So as people have been listening to this explanation of a therapy that they may not have actually known very much about, what is the one kind of a thought and memory about this conversation and this interview that you want to make sure people remember? What's the big point? What do people need to know about Feldenkrais? That it works often when nothing else does to get you out of pain and get you more mobile. But the, the more, even more important than that, there's something you can do in your own brain that will help, which is to begin to be curious about what makes something work better and what makes it not work, and then to experiment, because that's that's the goal. A Feldenkrais practitioner can help you learn how to do that so that you build that skill on your own. That's the goal. And it really does sound like people are taking control over their own ability to function. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it it once you take that control, I uh, one of my favorite stories is, is one of the first people with Parkinson's who came to me for balance challenges. And then uh, he canceled a few appointments, and I asked him why. And he said, well, you taught me how to counterbalance, and so I decided to paint my house. It's really all about what is it you want to do and getting rid of the obstacles that are keeping you from getting there. That's 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 the point of all this, that, that we all have dreams and I want to help you get to that place where you can live the way you want to live. If, for example, a person has difficulty with tying their shoelaces, 
mm-hmm. they're trying to think, okay, maybe there's a device out there that will help me be able to do that. It seems as though what you're kind of recommending is if there is any challenge with any motor function whatsoever, there is another way to approach it, and it might be through these Feldenkrais lessons. Yes. My my own personal path into Feldenkrais had a lot to do with tying my shoelaces. Um, I had a herniated disc and couldn't stand up, um, and my Feldenkrais practitioner helped it so helped me so I could stand up again. But then my kids wanted to learn how to roller skate, and I thought that looked like fun. But I could not bend over enough to uh, reach my shoelace to tie it. And my practitioner worked with me and helped me understand how to fold at the hip joint. I was trying to fold at the waist. Once I folded at my hip joint, oh, wow, I can reach my shoe and tie it. And something that was this major obstacle, because if you can't put your skates on, you can't skate or you can't put your shoes on, it's hard to go for a walk. Um, was solvable in about 15 minutes. And that um, most movement problems can be solved. I've worked with people who couldn't talk loud enough for their partner to hear. The challenge with aging is, you know, our partners get deaf, and then if we can't talk loud, they can't hear us. And um, (laughs) really, whatever the, the challenge area is, we can usually make progress with it with Feldenkrais. Oh. Irene Pasternak, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to explain to people what this wonderful therapy is really all about and for making yourself available to offer these wonderful free sessions. So for those of you listening, I would suggest sign up and connect in with Irene Pasternak, and you might also want to consider getting some private sessions with her. Obviously, her work is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Irene, for taking the time to being a guest on the radio show today. You're welcome, Robert. Thanks for having me online. Bye. And that is indeed what is happening here on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and of course, all of the children are profoundly loved. Know that by virtue of the very simple fact that you are listening to this amazing interview with Felden Christ practitioner Irene Pasternak, that you indeed are, in your own time, in your own fashion, being in control of the decisions that you make, you are traveling down the road to recovery. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Robert Rogers, the founder of Parkinson's Recovery.